Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern that's walking on sunshine, codename Legion Cub. Just like I'm walking on sunshine. Wow, that is not the direction I was going with that at all. <laughs> Where's your Katrina in the waves? Yeah. Who are you? I was I was doing the uh, the intervention with Allison. Oh. Have you ever seen that episode? Okay, okay. They parodied on South Park with Towley. Yeah, yeah. That's I haven't seen a South Park in a few years now. Uh, okay. So anyway. Uh, welcome to the South Park podcast with uh, me, Fred. That's Ted, and this is Ed. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing tonight here, fellas. Uh, you can follow us on Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram at GI Joe Audible on Twitter. The Needless Things YouTube channel is the place to catch us live every other week. We do a live stream, which is very interactive with the people who join the chat. We have a lot of fun. Uh, and speaking of live, we will be live at Joe Fest. All right, guys, I'm, I can see you're both sitting down. Next week, <sighs> crazy. Uh, we will be live in Augusta, Georgia at the Marriott Convention Center at Joe Fest next week, Friday night at 8 p.m. in the Lamar C. Ballroom or meeting room or whatever you want to call it. We will be performing the Big Joe Game Show, a fully interactive game show based on your favorite pop culture memories. Uh, lots of different interaction. We need contestants. We have fabulous prizes to give to those contestants. It's going to be awesome. And then Saturday morning, we will officially kick off Joe Fest with a live audible interlude episode and kickoff show. Uh Check out JoeFestUSA.com for all the details on that. We have JoeFest tour shirts and JoeFest tour hats that will be available at the convention and nowhere else. And after the convention, they will be destroyed. We will, we will find a steel drum on Sunday as we're leaving. We will throw all of the unsold merch into it and set it on fire live on Instagram. Uh, and then you will also see us carried away by the Augusta police because you can't <laughs> do that kind of thing. The audio version of our live streams is available the following Friday segment episodes like you're listening to right now are available wherever you get your podcasts. Our next live stream is on June. Oh boy, this is the old notes. This is what happens when you cut and paste everything, <laughs> fellas. Our next live stream is June the 5th, the Monday before Joe Fest. Uh, and while we will be talking a little bit about Joe Fest, we will have plenty of other content as well. So if you're not going to Joe Fest or unable to attend or whatever, uh, we will still have lots of entertaining stuff to discuss. And then right after Joe Fest, the following month, is Noel, take it away. Uh, this is Cobra Convergence uh, coming up in July, which of course is a, a, a joint uh, collaboration that was originally founded by Ho Hooded Cobra Commander 788 on YouTube, along with several other G.I. Joe uh, related channels um, and uh, has been rapidly expanding over the last few years. And for the second year in a row, uh, we get to participate in Cobra Convergence, and uh, last year we had a really fun episode uh, reviewing 
uh, Cobra, Cobrathon. I was about to say Cobra Fest because I've got fests on my head right now. <laughs> um, I feel like Jeremy Piven on that one episode of uh, Monday Night Raw from 13 years ago because that's how I remember stupid things. Lord, these TV references you're throwing out tonight are <laughs> not acceptable at all. So, uh, yeah, um, we're uh, we're coming up in July and uh, it's going to be a great time. Cobra Fest is is the uh, the 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 convention we're going to start putting on uh, to oppose Joe Fest. Yes, mm-hmm. we're going to do an evil convention. I'm just kidding. We would never do that. We're going to do everything in our power to let uh, to help Joe Fest continue growing and becoming more and more entertaining and wonderful every single year. Uh, and we're very excited to be working with Ed and uh, everybody at Joe Fest. Uh, Hooded Cobra Commander 788, the man behind Cobra Convergence, will be on our June 19th live stream. And our Cobra Convergence episode will be on July the 16th, which will also be a live stream. We have some very special stuff planned for that. And we will be sharing that day with Action Robot Punch, a wonderful YouTube channel that I have recently become very enamored of. So check that out. Uh, okay, you guys, that's enough chit chat for now. If you're ready, I think it's time to get into this show. It is not yeah. an old sitcom that Noel can reference, <laughs> although I'm sure or, he'll work something in there. Or an episode of Monday Night Raw. Or an episode of Monday Night Raw. I don't remember anything that's happened on Raw ever. <laughs> This is Rank and File Card, where we look at the history of G.I. Joe file cards going all the way, all the way back to 1982. We have not yet made it out of 1982 because we're, we're taking our time with this. We, we're, we're wanting to get a good 20, 25 years of content out of these file cards uh, and helping us along. Uh, you guys, this is very exciting. So. Uh, for anybody who who hasn't listened to the show before, when we do this segment, at the end of the segment, I get input from my dad, who's a retired lieutenant colonel, and the the first couple of file cards he did, he'd write maybe a sentence or two about what he thought. Uh, I just got back the next batch of four, and he's really getting into this, you guys. Once we get through, because we've got uh, Grunt today. We've got one more from the last batch. So in a few weeks, when we get into this new batch, we have got some input. He is clearly like really getting into this now. So uh, I appreciate everybody who's uh, listening and who has let me know that they enjoy this segment. Uh, Let's see who went over the stuff last. I think Christian, did you handle the last one? I think so. Noel, do you want to, do you want to handle grunt? Sure. I can handle grunt. Rank and file card for Grunt. Grunt, code name, of course. His file name is Graves, Robert W. His serial number, which as we have mentioned before, we'll go through future versions and see if these stay consistent, is uh, Romeo Alpha 52779-623. His grade is E4. Uh, his birthplace is Columbus, Ohio. His primary specialty is infantry, and his secondary specialty is small arms, armorer, artillery coordination. This is the most generic file card that we have seen thus far, and (laughs) there's a reason for that. When I think of the most generic birthplace for a Joe, Columbus, Ohio is where I would pick. 
Grunt is familiar with all NATO and Warsaw uh, pa- uh, Warsaw packed small arms as well as domestic civilian arms. Graduated advanced infantry training. Finished in the top ten of his class. Qualified expert M14, M16, M1911A1 auto pistol. And then, of course, our quotation, uh, which we've all decided is uh, is General Hawk saying this. Grunt is a highly motivated, systematic individual. That's a very key word because many people thought that Grunt was, in fact, a troop builder. He's a stand-up guy who doesn't blow his cool in a firefight. And that's it. That's the whole file card. I, reading this, I personally believe that Larry Hama kind of did want Grunt to be not an individual that he might have looked at him as more of like, well, the, this, this is just troops, troops or grunts. This is the equivalent of, you know, the Cobras, uh, because there's so little here. It really does feel like, you know, I almost don't want to put too much into this one. Cause this is our, <laughs> this is our, our, you know, he, he's a clean slate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, we've got the great card art off to the side here. Uh, oddly, gra- the, the way he holds his M16 in this has always kind of amused me. Um, it's just weird. It, it's it's almost like it's more of a, a cudgel than a firearm. But it's a, I mean, it's a classic image. This is the image that graced so much licensed GI Joe stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, Sometimes with that uh, M16 removed. Yes, yes, and he was just running. I think is it the color form set, maybe? Yep, yeah, the color form yeah. set he doesn't have it. Yeah. Uh but yeah, honestly, not much to say about this file card other than armorer is spelled wrong, which is really weird. Uh and, and also the in the unusual amount of space between armorer and artillery coordinator. <laughs> Small arms armorer artillery coordinator. Was well, that one thing or two things? What do you think? I guess that's two things. Yeah, I think it, it may be two things. So he has two secondary military specialties. That's Maybe. pretty special. Hmm. Uh, well, he is highly motivated. That's true. A- and, and systematic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our input from retired Lieutenant Colonel Tom West, codename Mongoose, is E4 grade is appropriate for someone recently graduated from advanced infantry training. Based on his description, he should be promoted to E5 soon if he meets other training and qualification tests. And that's it. Mm. Very simple, very straightforward. Really didn't, uh, kind of interesting the he just went along with this one. I think every other one, he's found a little something to kind of, I don't want to say nitpick because we're asking for, you know, input and thoughts, uh, but he's found a little something to sort of comment on, but much like the file card itself, there's just not much material, you know, to go by on this one. Yeah. And now it is time for our review, where we are going to take a look at the G.I. Joe episode, The Vines of Evil. Now, 
The original air date was September 11th, 1984. This is episode two of the second miniseries, uh, The Revenge of Cobra. And I picked this for a multitude of reasons. Um, definitely have wanted to take a look back at the early miniseries. But also, this episode is the first appearance of Shipwreck in the Sunbow continuity. No, and... I never would have figured that being your motivation. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's funny. It's funny because I what I'll usually do is when I'm sitting down to review the episodes, I'll eat my lunch because I, I have I have a routine every day off. I eat my lunch and I'll watch whatever episode is before the one that we're reviewing just to get the context because I can't take notes while I'm eating lunch. Uh, finish my lunch and then I'll watch the episode and take my notes and do everything. And as soon as the first episode started, I was like, oh, wait, Vines of Death, Flint and Mutt, Shipwreck. Aha. Uh -huh. Now I know. Well, this one is fresh off my mind because when we discussed our, uh, we booked our next Super 7 Ultimates line, um, there was a lot that came out of this episode. Yes. That uh, that made its way into my selections. Well, and that was my first thought was that Christian was going off just because the, the crazy flying helicopter contraption. <laughs> well, it, but mainly because this week or last week rather we had all the leaked photos of the classified shipwreck so because he's on his way i thought it would be good to look back and there is so much in this episode it's that nuts. we have been talking about for i feel like since we've started this podcast you could pull a year's worth of gi joe memes out of this episode <laughs> like so there's, much of the frequently referenced stuff from gi joe is from this episode it's yep. crazy and especially yeah, there things are lines we, in this episodes that i just in casual conversation still say and it's just you know one of those things that's linked to this episode nobody else knows what i'm talking about when i say holy toledo cleveland and cincinnati <laughs> but i still say that on a regular basis <laughs> Uh, so this was directed by Dan Thompson and written by Ron Friedman. And they, they of course, wrote the entire Revenge of Cobra miniseries or uh, created the entire Revenge of Cobra miniseries. Uh, and what's interesting about this, the first thing that I noticed when I started watching the first episode, uh, and, and by the way, I have been wanting to review the miniseries for a while, but we have to do them like this. We can't we can't do the whole miniseries in one review because we're not going to do it justice. Because we're probably spending the whole rest of the episode talking about just this one. I can't imagine trying to get five episodes in. Uh, and, and what we might do, and we might, we might put this out there for a vote on the socials, on Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. We might see if the listeners want us to go ahead and review the rest of this miniseries over the next several episodes and just go ahead and knock it out. Uh, so we'll we'll be putting that out there. But watching the first episode, I realized this intro, the the opening sequence is unique to this miniseries. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, all of the action and everything was was not used again. And that, you know, obviously the Revenge of Cobra actual logo was was very cool. 
yeah, when that Papa. flame cobra comes up, I it yes. still gives me goosebumps. It's such a beautiful piece of animation for just a title. Well, and and sitting watching this, there were a lot of moments like that where I really because as we've talked about before, there is a big, big difference between throwing some episodes of G.I. Joe in while you're cleaning up or or doing whatever and sitting down and focusing to take notes and analyze the episode. Those are very different experiences. And over the course of watching this, I had a couple of moments that really, really just pulled me back to my youth and like made me remember specific feelings and things and, and just thoughts about Joe. But before we move on, uh, there was an episode prior to this one, and I think we need a little recap. In a daring sneak attack, Cobra steals a powerful laser core from G.I. Joe and captures Duke and Snake Eyes. Gung-Ho counterattacks and captures the Cobra commander, taking him to Blackwater Prison for interrogation. But Sartan, the evil master of disguise, with the help of the Dreadnoughts and the Baroness, upwits prison security and frees the Cobra commander. Using the stolen laser core, Destro activates an incredible weapon which controls the forces of nature itself. And with this weather dominator, he drives Flint, Roblox, and Mutt into the pit of chaos and threatens to destroy the nations of the world unless they surrender to Cobra. And Flint, searching for his buddies, is suddenly attacked by Destro's strangler vines. As we begin our second episode of G.I. Joe, The Revenge of Cobra. Okay, so now that Mr. Narrator has caught us up, let's jump into things because things my friends are underway. How does (laughs) Christian, how does this thing open? All right. So at this point we have roadblock and Flint have been uh, tossed down into the pit of chaos where (laughs) up out of the little puddles of water and the ground, I love how they're described as Destro's strangling vines. Um, and they are armed with just their knives, doing a pretty good job of cutting through these vines of death. Um, when they notice some up ahead, something is actually hurting the vines and, and killing them. And lo and behold, it is the engines from a sky striker. I just like bum. I'd just like to note that everything Roadblock says is gold. Yes, oh, for sure. Predatory vegetables. Predatory vegetables. Homicidal <laughs> salad bowl. Lego my legs, suckers. Dude, he's just poetry. And I don't mean because he rhymes. I just mean because it's glorious magic every time well, he opens his mouth. And I noticed. He didn't rhyme as much, actually, in this episode. Yeah, just a couple times. Which I, I appreciated very much. I also uh, f- appreciate that uh, Flint and Roadblock are very susceptible to these strangling vines, but they are impervious to the power <laughs> of jet exhaust. Right? <laughs> they just walk right into it. Uh, the, my, note, my note here is Flint and Roadblock are oddly not incinerated by the Sky Strikers jets. <laughs> Uh, so at the Sky Striker, they meet up with Mutt and Junkyard, and um, 
they decide to use the parts to build something to get themselves out of the pit. So from there, we jump over to Cobra headquarters, which um, was it just a Sunbow thing during this time period that all our enemy bases were underneath something? Because that shot of the Cobra pyramid it it's coming up out of sand rising from below the sand i love it yeah and and it just got me thinking like my gosh they did that in transformers like yeah anyway i um, i think that's honestly i think that's kind of a leftover trope from like spy movies and stuff mm, like just underground bases and and like i i think that was a because so much of matter of fact i think one of the writers, I don't remember, I think it might have been from Sunbow, but I feel like one of the writers at one point said they were told, like, just imagine that this is James Bond. Mm. Well, still great, great shot. And I love the design of this. Yes. Cobra Temple. It's massive. The They're giant Cobras everywhere. <laughs> Cobra, uh, Cobra Commander is very, very big on branding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we get inside Snake Eyes and Duke are going to be tossed into the pit to fight each because you know it's not a G.I. Joe miniseries until Duke gets captured. Exactly. Well, well, a note a note on that. A note on that. Duke has been captured. Surprise. (laughs) However, he was captured along in a net. This is from the previous episode. Captured in a net alongside Snake Eyes, it's unfortunate that Snake Eyes isn't known for carrying anything that could cut through a net. <laughs> right. Snake Eyes isn't a ninja yet. That very much so comes into play. But he is. Well, he's he's wearing, well, he's wearing his eyes. second. Uh, well, they still hadn't really established the ninja thing yet. He had the Mm-mm. sword, but like it wasn't until the silent interlude issue that the ninja lore really came into snake eyes all right hang i, on. I, I have to hang go back and look on. at that file card again i'm going to look at it right now because i believe that second file card well what i also like is how destro had such a hand i guess in building the new cobra temple so that the mind control device for snake eyes and duke does not attach to their heads it attaches to their ankle so that they can't get away it's like from their ankle to the ground but they can move almost anywhere right right Mm. so okay this is wild the original air date of this episode was september 11th 1984 we established that Mm-hmm. Long before this, the action figure actually came out. Right. In 1985, the action figure with the... And, I, and look, I'm ruining a future rank and file here, but sometimes <laughs> we got to do that. Uh, this file card specifically says, left the service to study mystic martial arts with the same ninja family that produced Storm Shadow. So well, this you got to is... wonder, when this when this Sunbow episode was in production... Did did they this part of Snake have, Eyes backstory exist? Right. They didn't right. have this file card yet. They had the design of the figure that Ron Rudat had come up with, but right. they had not yet 
it because again that was as larry has said a thousand times when he's discussing all, uh, uh silent interlude that was just something he came up with at like a last minute moment when to tie did, these two characters when did together. silent interlude come out so it was 21 so it would have been in 84 it would have been fairly early in 84 let's um, see like august we're having to do too much research i hate this uh this is March of 1984. March of 84. So this, okay. this silent interlude predates, well, it predates, predates the release of this episode, but we don't but know how much synergy there been, really was. The episode would have been in production a yeah, year prior. It, it's reasonable to think the animators and writers had no idea this snake eyes was going to be a ninja. And it's also cracking me up how many of the pictures on Yojo have rusty screws in the thighs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. But so Snake Eyes and and Duke are going to fight to the death for Cobra's uh, entertainment. And like I said, these these clamps around their ankles are supposed to make them more violent. Um, and this is where we Super Seven has done figures, reaction yes. figures of Duke Skywalker, Duke Skywalker, <laughs> and Gladiator Snake Eyes, and and uh, Brick. Brick Tamron Snake, isn't that his name? Brick, <laughs> Brick Tamlin, yes. Brick Tamlin Snake he killed eyes. a guy with a trident. <laughs> <laughs> and and honestly, as soon as the fight started, the first thought that popped into my head is Duke is so lucky that Snake Eyes is not a ninja yet because <laughs> he is blocking everything snake eyes is tossing at him. Well, even there, Snake Eyes doesn't get the sword. He gets the trident and the he, net yeah. for some reason. Because they don't know yet. But, of course, Duke being the good guy that he is, the neural controller, he can overcome it uh, and is calling out Snake Eyes, who then knocks down one of these towers. Well, he, like, takes the trident and catapults Duke's laser sword. Luke's Luke's Duke's definitely <laughs> not a lightsaber. They, and by the way, definitely not making lightsaber noises either. Right. right. Not at all. <laughs> Into the tower. But while this is going on, Cobra Commander uh, is, of course, up watching all of this with his, his best pal, Destro. Zartan <laughs> is apparently just hanging out in the back of the room, invisible, like spying on him. Man, they were selling that Zartan figure in this Dude, episode, right? I <laughs> love how they portrayed Zartan in this episode. What do you think of his mood armor? I, I, I why did not that not carry through in all the others? <laughs> I, I love loved he, it. He gets angry and his armor flashes red. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> The, uh, the only the only piece that that got to me with a little bit of an eye roll, but I probably would have thought it was cool as a kid, was the sunlight. Oh, sunlight that no. a little the, later, the kryptonite sun. Yeah, but the best part of that is that Destro laughs. Destro for laughs like thirty five <laughs> seconds. Yes, <laughs> Destro laughs harder at that than Skeletor laughs. <laughs> In the live action Masters of the Universe movie when his Goonie troops trip over each other. Uh, uh, but yeah, so they've been discussing their plan, obviously, uh, using the Weather Dominator to take over. And so uh, 
do can snake eyes have to figure out how to let joe know that they're there they knock down this tower um and snake eyes has his little communicator that he's doing morse code that so joe code joe code joe code (laughs) but let, let me ask you guys so Duke very clearly says your belt communicator. And you're like, well, Duke, don't you have a communicator? But does Snake Eyes specifically have a Joe, commu- Joe code communicator because he can't speak? Mm-hmm. So he has a different communicator that can do the Joe code rather than just a standard over the air thing. That would make more sense. I mean, look, I don't think that's what was going on, but it's what I made up in my head, and it sounds pretty good. (laughs) Uh, All of the arena stuff, this is something I noticed during the fight and and really throughout the rest of the episode. This cartoon is very cinematic. All of the Mm -hmm. like simulated camera movements, the way that the, the view moves around the characters during combat, during action scenes, like it really is incredibly well done stuff. Yeah, it it had me thinking quite a few times that I wonder if the Sunbow G.I. Joe cartoon would have lasted a little longer if they had stuck with this miniseries format rather than eventually going to a full run series because... I mean, Sunbow always had gorgeous animation, but these miniseries are even above the regular series. Yeah, Um, aside from the occasional character losing their pants or something, these are all all beautiful. Well, right, right. It happens to the best of us. Uh, So then we have to obviously check in on the rest of the Joe team. who are trying to figure out how to fight the weather dominator. <laughs> and <laughs> apparently doc has been to the land of Hyrule. Well, wait, before, before we get to doc. So snake, Eye, they, uh, they show snake eyes doing his, his Joe code. And then we go to, uh, GI Joe headquarters, which is not the pit in the cartoon. It's just GI Joe headquarters. And breaker is there with sparks. <laughs> well, wait, I didn't realize this until I was watching it, but apparently in my head, because I couldn't remember Spark's name. I never can. Apparently, this person is identified in my head as Noel's friend. <laughs> <'Cause> I <laughs> because I did a missing in action on him. Right. You're like the one years that, ago. that kind of originally brought Sparks to my attention, and I didn't like when that scene popped up in my head, I was like, oh, it's Breaker and Noel's friend. And that's just Sparks. <laughs> the reason why I justified having a, a, a beige grunt figure to go along with my regular grunt figure. Cause I could, I could plug him into that role. Absolutely. He needs a, he needs a fancy bat. We need a Sparks figure though. You're right. Like that. You're my one, but totally. uh, yeah, but we need the 25th line. Yeah. Yeah. We need a, a legit like O-ring Sparks. All right. Sorry, that just was Noel's friend. No, Noel's yeah. Friend. I, I so so Doc brings out this giant ruby-shaped mirror. And uh this is one of my just all-time favorite lines. So he he needs to test this thing out because it's going to absorb energy 
and then be able to shoot it back. So he has blowtorch tested out to shoot with fire. And when they ask him if he thinks this is a good idea, he says, don't worry. I'm wearing my asbestos underwear. So he's got cancer. <laughs> well, right. And by 1984, I think we knew asbestos was bad. Yeah. And obviously yeah. he's just making a joke, but it's still kind of a. Kind yeah, of a weird like one. a what? What? I think what the most fascinating thing is, is that like we know Doc is a like he's a medic. Right. But apparently well, he's, he he's also can everything. design. Yeah, he can design these uh, 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 energy absorbing shields. So I guess he's like Wheeljack on the Transformers where he just like is the jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember, that's the reason I was so excited about him in the third. Is it? The, I think it's the third wave of the Super 7 Ultimates, like because he early on in the Joe series, he's that one critical guy that does everything. And that Ultimates figure should have come with one of these. I agree 100%. Shields. And I thought that while we were watching this, I was like, oh, that's a missed opportunity. But that, that might have made it a little more expensive. So maybe not. Yeah, but but it works. So, you know, the the mirror absorbs the energy from the flames. He's able to redirect it into the larger, like, receiving mirror that can then shoot the energy back out as a weapon and the noise the noise that blowtorch's flamethrower makes was quite an interesting blowtorch (laughs) noise as many of the sound effects in the fire sound is definitely a not fire sound and also if you noticed in this scene we just happen to have a bunch of random new Joes to the line standing around, just hanging out. Yep. Yep. It's what you do. It is what you do. You got clutch in his desert colors. Uh, you had cover girl. Um, oh, you know what? Actually. So yeah, going all the way back to the opening, that was a aha moment when the vamp Mark two came out. I was yeah. like, wait, the, Mark II came out that early in the line. Well, it came out in 85. Right. But my brain. Or no, did it it come out in 84? Because by 85. Because the Mark II is the first version of the vamp that we got. I didn't have the green vamp. I think the Mark II did come out in 84 because by 85, all of the new figures had the new articulation. Yeah. With a few exceptions like the the Dreadnoughts and Tollbooth did not. Um, yeah, Mark II was 84 because the Awe Striker was 85. Yeah. Okay. But then but yeah. Scarlet, of course, says that uh, they're going to give them their rep, they're going to give them their own reptile medicine at this point. And <laughs> <laughs> so that Joe team is headed to DC to save the day. <clears throat> so now we got to check back in with our Joes that are with the strangle vines so they build this makeshift helicopter platform thing uh (laughs) make it happen super seven yes please (laughs) i don't care what scale it is but we need it It, there's not much to it so they honestly they really could um so just as the sky striker is running out of fuel boom the helicopter starts so mutt junkyard 
uh, Flint are going up. Roblox hanging on. Uh, but of course, the vines get a hold of him and he realizes that he's just going to drag everybody down. So he's like, you go without me. Just just let go. Just let go. Um, and as he is pulled down by the vines, helicopter takes off, um, crashes in the desert, and Flint and Mutt are able to knock out a couple of Cobra guards and take their uniforms. I also want to point out, I think it was around this point in the episode, or maybe a little bit later, Junkyard is useless <laughs> over the most part. If you oh. notice, like he he well wait, 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 wait. We'll get to we'll get yeah. to junkyard in a minute. We'll get to junkyard in a minute. Okay. There is a no, lot he, to unpack about the escape from the vines because this is one of the moments I was talking about earlier that really transported me back to my childhood because sitting watching this, really taking it in this time, I remember being like horror movie scared as the Sky Strikers engines were fading out and the vines were like, they did that great shot of the engines kind of sputtering mm-hmm. and the vines go across the front of the, and it, I remember being scared when I was a kid when that happened. And then as they're taking off and the vines get roadblock. And they just let him drop behind. I was absolutely appalled that they just left him. Yeah. I thought Roadblock was going to die. When I was a kid, I remember this. I thought he was going to die. I thought that was the end of Roadblock. Well, the resolution doesn't get much better to that scene either. Because he just, there's not even like a hand of God. The vines just go away. Well, the sun comes out. The the wet when oh, the weather dom- yeah ah, when the weather when the weather dominator gets blown up. Which, by the way, why did Destro design the weather dominator so that when it gets hit by lightning, it turns into a rocket? I don't really understand <laughs> that technology, but whatever. But yeah, when the weather dominator blows up, the the rain stops and the sun comes back out and kills the okay. vines. So there is a cause and effect there, but it is pure luck. It's not like roadblock. To, if if that hadn't happened, he'd be a skeleton. Yeah, and obviously, watching this as adults, we know we know that he survives. But there's this scene, and there's a scene at the end where they absolutely did play with the atmosphere yes. well enough that I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, not not having quite the same memory that you were having Dave, but thinking like me as a kid, this probably scared me. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. I I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's my last note on this. Um, I love, you mentioned that the helicopter just kind of falls apart. I love that. I really, Mm -hmm. really like that. It didn't turn into this great vehicle. The fact that they knew it was this ramshackle thing. They they put together and then like basically as soon as they got clear it started falling apart i really like that aspect of it yeah and then uh they're hiding junkyard is hiding behind a, a rock holding and on to that's some where he's useful that's he where he's useful yes he's he's not 
he's not the angry attack dog well, that no, they no. show on on the artwork of the package. Because um, he pretty much runs from everything in this episode. I oh, think- yeah, he gets cornered by a little coyote in the bar later. And oh, we're going to talk about that coyote in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we get another zoom in on the Cobra Temple. And also, I noticed that they do Star Wars wipes in this, which I really appreciated. And, and I don't know that I'd really noticed before where it just seemed to seem you just get a wipe. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they, I sent you guys a video of this as they're zooming in on the Cobra temple, the whole shot just like jumps. It's well, like it a- happens again when they're in yes. the temple and they're zooming in on, uh, Destro and Zartan and Cobra commander. Okay. So that's in your copy as well. I wasn't sure if maybe it was I just, was just watching on YouTube. Yeah. See, I was watching my, uh, the footlocker DVDs cause I couldn't, I couldn't find it on Tubi. Uh, so yeah, so that it is part of the show then, because I was wondering if it was just a transfer issue. Uh, but yeah, I've got both of those. It's really weird. It's like the cameraman stumbles, except this is a cartoon. <laughs> it still uses a camera. They still, yeah, still <laughs> well, the camera yeah, yeah, itself. But, yeah, come on. And and you got to think about that, like the technology back then too. That if that cam wasn't steady, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I mean, a, a hair. Think about how big these cells are that they're shooting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, yep. Christian. So now, so now let's we talk about lightning. Oh gosh! So, <laughs> so this part, Cobra Commander wants to make an example uh, and show the power of the Weather Dominator and and shoot it at full force at Washington D.C. And Destro is going off about. Uh, you just can't do that. Um, and of course, you don't tell Cobra Commander no. Zartan is backing Cobra Commander uh, and decides, let's let's do it. Let's activate the, the Weather Dominator and put DC in one of the worst storms it could possibly ever happen, even though Destro knows it's going to cause it to overload. And Destro and- literally oh. goes off to the side and sulks. And Cobra Commander says, don't sulk. I'll throw in a tornado. Yeah. And Destro is literally like sad, leaning on a table. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's literally sulking. Uh, so we so <laughs> the Joes arrive. At DC, uh, they have these mirrors on top of so many different vehicles and transports. <clears throat> and the AP, the, the rear of the APC AP. does not open like the toy at all. The, no, oh, man. So they, the storm is going on. The lightning is striking these mirrors, and they are absorbing the energy of the mirrors. Thankfully, no Joes are getting struck as well. Well, but the lightning is not the first thing that happens. Oh, true. First, the hailstorm. For, well, we well, get the wind first. We we get Cobra Commander says, first, Destro, the tornado. And Destro literally goes, 
like he lights up like a little kid because he wanted those tornadoes. So first it's wind and these mirrors can't do anything with wind. And then it's, and then it's hailstones, the size of like softballs destroying everything. And guess what? Mirrors don't deflect hailstone (laughs) softballs. So Destro was right. If they had never used the lightning, Cobra would have destroyed Washington, D.C., killed all of the Joes and would currently be running the world. But Cobra Commander had to have his lightning. And then (laughs) he just he's, you know, Destro's at a 10 and Cobra Commander's at an 11. (laughs) So so then the lightning strikes the mirrors. They absorb everything. Doc is able and I've he's able to redirect the energy from Washington DC <laughs> to the desert wherever where the base the, the whatever <laughs> desert in the world that was um and it blows the weather dominator into pieces but not just into pieces it flings them <laughs> into and once again other it's, it's not a joe mini series until you have to send your troops all over the world yes to to, to collect scattered things absolutely right. it's brilliant I, I, it it was making me think of like power rangers how the be in the fight in the city with the kaiju they'll throw a punch and then all of a sudden wait now we're by the ocean and rocks <laughs> like it's like the dominator blows up and then now boom these three pieces are wherever in exotic um, locales across the world and none, and none of them land in the ocean it even manages to land on a tiny island but yeah, nothing yeah, lands yeah. in the ocean which covers three quarters of the planet of course right all right so because then you'd have to sell that shark with deep six. <laughs> <laughs> so now our Joes are going to have to travel around the world in order to collect all the pieces of the weather dominator. But but first we can't leave just yet because we still have to check in one last time with Flint and Mutt who in junkyard in junkyard. A flint, a mutt, and a junkyard walk into a bar. Walk into Chalman's Cantina. I mean... The the Cobra Cafe, which has... The person playing the piano is in a Cobra (laughs) uniform, but everybody else is just in regular clothes or 1980s street punk uh, type clothes. Um so obviously this being uh, a bar the locals want a rough house with flint and mutt because somehow or other they're just able to tell they're not really cobra and well they're also carrying those those big cobra weapons and they want their weapons yes yeah so and, you know and they have a yellow rat dog creature but what I, I don't know the, the strategy of that doesn't coyote. make sense to me. So you don't have firearms. So you walk up to the only two guys that have <laughs> firearms and say, hey, hand those over. Now, 
usually I'm not a big Flint guy, but this scene was actually kind of cool. He's Flint Eastwood. Yeah, he <laughs> he flips the table, punches the guy in the face. Well, before he does that, though, when the guys are walking up on him and he's so cool, he's like, would you speak up? It's a little noisy in here. Like, so collected, so not sweating yeah. these idiots. He like, absolutely was a warrant officer in that moment. So, yeah, he's great. And then we get into the big fight scene with the yellow rat dog thing that Noel says is a coyote. <laughs> right, uh, which which Junkyard cowers from. So then you get this amazingly animated piece of <laughs> mutt crouching down making dog noises <laughs> and scaring this yellow rat dog coyote thing away but the voice the the voice acting for mutt and and again the animation just he is like like hunched over like this cross between a human and the and the Rankin Bass Gollum. Like I do, don't <laughs> yeah. know how to describe the weird way they have his body moving. Um and I, I just love that he's showing junkyard like look dude all you gotta do is bark. And my favorite part of all this is that you got the old West like bar like saloon yes with yeah. the piano Music. player right. who's yeah. just the unbroken piano player. playing the whole time. Yep. <laughs> Well, and then during the fight, Mutt ends up biting this guy's shoulder and ripping part of his shirt off. And then in the next scene, when the guy goes to attack Flint, he's got this giant red mark on his shoulder. Yeah, I so I noticed that even with the punches, there were parts where animated where when they would hit as the person is falling, that their face, their eye, whatever would have red color. Yeah, added to it, and I was like, "Oh, that's very interesting," because they would never do that today. Um, and meanwhile, shipwreck is right. just sitting so, at the table. So mm-hmm. the fight fight finishes, and uh, we see a person holding up their newspaper, uh, not bothered by any of this that's going on, and is pointing out to them. <clears throat> that uh, they're obviously not Cobra and very much wanted. And when they ask, who are you? He's like, I'm shipwreck. Or they call me shipwreck. Yes. Yes. And more or less, uh, he's on the side of whoever pays him. You want to pay my fee and get out of here? <laughs> so <laughs> let's. Let's I have questions. Sure. That man, as a kid, I remember this. Is shipwreck a wall? Because he sure is wearing his shirt with his in, you know, with his his rank patch on it. Uh, but obviously he is not part of the military in this he's a free agent well you know apparently they could just find guys like quick kick or shipwreck and just add them to the joe team uh we saw them do it you know with uh raven 
on the oh, uh, on the series later, but she never appears. Um, but meanwhile, like I guess Honda Lou washes out. We'll see her in the next episode. Uh, right, right. But I thought we never a, see her join. What an interesting way to to introduce him. Um, it totally fits with how they portray him throughout the rest of the run of the series. Yeah, I mean, it's much. It's way better than like. Hey, here's our new sailor recruit. Right. And you know what? As a kid, it he was the Han Solo character. Yeah. Yeah. Of G.I. Joe. He was the Herc um what's his face from Jason the Will Warriors. He was he was the fifth member of the Sentai team that's like, oh yeah, I'm not really an anti-hero, but I do what I want to do. And right now, what I want to do is in your best interest as well. Um, <clears throat> so he tells them he can get them out of there. They go to his ship, which what is a Navy sailor? Uh, what kind of ship is he going to have in the desert? But a boat that can travel on the sand. A sand this goes boat. along with my uh, steampunk Joe idea. I need this vehicle now to be part of our steampunk Joe line that I discussed uh, in the last episode. I mean, I just want this vehicle just as a, again, like Super Seven did the the sled dogs. Although apparently yeah. that did not sell well enough for them to do mm. further vehicles, which is unfortunate. Um, my whole issue here is. This this little town or whatever where Flint and Mud have showed up is insane. <laughs> They're in some kind of like Mad Max wasteland. I remember being so confused by this when I was a kid. Like, are, are they? Is this? I'm and thinking I don't know that what, this is like a Cobra training area where they sort of like. Where they train cobras to play piano, <laughs> right? Well, uh, <laughs> among other things, uh, this one neighborhood that I used to live in here in Orlando, um, it had at, at the back of the neighborhood was one building of what looked like an apartment complex, but it was a training ground attached to this facility for people who would go door to door. Right. And that's sort of in my head what I imagined this town was all these these disillusioned people that Cobra collects up to become Cobra troopers. They've got to have some place where they basically put them through their training and figure out, you know, are they are they going to make it or right, are right. they going to die? And so to me, that's what this town is. It's OK. It's the pleasure island before you get turned into. Right. Right. The, the Cobra Trooper. OK, I'll take that. That works. Uh, oh, but, also worth noting, we did uh, as part of our panel at Dragon Con a couple of years ago, we had a game called Cobra's Sweetheart Parade. Uh, yes, <laughs> and that is uh, this episode is where that line came from because he said, uh, "Shipwreck said not exactly number one on Cobra's sweetheart parade." Yes, which is a and, bizarre and wonderful line. And I I forgot to mention, uh, Junkyard does take a liking to Shipwreck, and that is 
how Flint yes. decides yes. that Shipwreck is a good guy. Yes, always Junker trust the instincts of the always dog. trust the dog. Uh, so they hoist the sail and they're they're sailing out amongst this sea of sand when a sandstorm comes up. And as Shipwreck is telling them to batten down the hatches, and I love how Flint is like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> um, as Mutt is hanging on to the mast, it is snapped off, and he gets flung overboard, tossed around like a rag doll. Well, that it- one POV shot from Mutt's point of view of his hands in front of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as as he's getting pulled underneath the sand, it's it's like they've said it's taken from his view. So you just see sand and his hand reaching up into the shot, and it is so well done and puts you right on the edge of your seat. Well, this this is the other moment we were talking about, and and my note here was you feel like mud is going to die, just like it seemed like Roadblock was. The peril in these felt very real to me as a kid. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what had me thinking. Like, would it have been better if they had just kept doing miniseries like this with or, the cliffhangers or, or long form yeah. stories? Because my gosh, you were able, you know, without being confined to just that thirty minutes of we have to show everybody's okay man, you you can build on that anxiety. Yeah, but we would have missed out on so many wonderful, weird True. stories if they had done that, uh, that I, I got to feel like what we got was the best we possibly could have gotten. So... And, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah, is, that is, is the end. Mutt, is Mutt dead? As far as we know right now, Mutt drowned in sand. So yeah, he's like holding his throat and coughing. It's it's very harrowing. It is very it's very graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you guys: Did you notice what was missing from this portion of the episode? Something very significant. No. So shipwreck is generally not known as just shipwreck. Oh yeah. There's no poly. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, I did notice that another one of those things that like, if you're just cleaning the house or doing other things and not really paying attention, you don't really think about it when you're sitting there watching, you're like, wait a minute, where is Polly? Oh, wait, the episode is not. Oh, wait. Yes, it is. Sorry. I was thinking of the coming up on our next episode teaser. Oh uh, yeah, right, right. But um, yeah. yeah, well, and you, you again, one of those things where did we know that there was going to be a poly packed in with shipwreck when this episode was right. being right. produced? Possibly That's, not. It's and it's weird to think about that too because you know when I was a kid I wasn't really thinking about like year to year which you know figures are being introduced no not at all because like this 84 and there's a lot of 85 characters they're introducing but there's a lot of 84 characters they're introducing too like zartan this is the first time Mm -hmm. i believe we've seen him yeah um but then um the next miniseries 
which debuted, I would presume, about a year later in 85 is when we introduced Quick Kick, who was also an 85 character. Yeah. So he gets brought in as kind of the, you know, the add-on recruited Joe guy in that in that miniseries. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of odd to go back and look at these now because I guess I was kind of under the assumption that each year was just selling the toys from that year when they were doing these miniseries. Yeah, it's interesting to see the the things that we realize now. Like, oh, well, we had we had some that were fleshed out before we even got our hands on the figures. Mm-hmm. But then we had other figures that we had to sort of wait and see what they would be like in the cartoon. I really enjoyed uh, one thing. I didn't make a note about this, but I just remembered it. Uh, when they have the big chase scene in the swamp, uh, when Zartan kind of escapes uh, and gung-ho and company are in the skyhawks and the skyhawks are skiing through the swamp rather than flying i thought that was really cool and i'd for, i'd kind of forgotten that uh and then you know the, the mist comes up and gung-ho opens up the cockpit and says they just disappeared like the swamp ate them up but i just i, I liked the skyhawks just skiing on the water something mm-hmm. you really see a whole lot uh all right so that's it Un- until uh, our next time on uh, final thoughts about this episode. It's a great episode. Yeah. Just so many little, little memories and little things in this episode that, you know, you, you figure how many, you know, hundreds of episodes are there of this cartoon and to have this many uh, memorable moments all in one. Uh, it really stands out well and it makes sense you know initially when when uh super seven started putting out their sunbow inspired stuff you're like man so much of this is coming from the early episodes but it makes sense because so much of the big gi joe sunbow lore comes out of the first couple of miniseries so Mm -hmm. i get Mm -hmm. why they nod to that so much uh yeah this is i mean this is a jam-packed episode not just with uh action but with characters and with you know like doc getting to to have his big moments and destro and zartan like they really get a lot in here it's it's fantastic and i'm 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 pretty excited about watching the rest of these so we'll see how the poll goes but i've got a feeling we're going to be watching the rest of this miniseries (laughs) in our next episode of gi joe roadblock finds an unexpected friend I heard you, but when I see you, you better be friendly. Anybody tied up in a Cobra truck has got to be my kind of man. Cobra truck, my hush puppies. Spirit fights a dangerous enemy. forces attack control of the stormy seas surrounding the island of no return.
Welcome to Instruments of Destruction, where we look at any one of the G.I. Joe or Cobra or other faction vehicles from any point in the line. And uh, when we were brainstorming about which vehicle to do this one uh, for this episode, uh, I was actually kind of surprised when I looked at the list of ones we'd already done. And this one hadn't come up yet because this was one of my favorite toys as a kid, as a G.I. Joe uh, fan. Cobra Rattler, it's the wickedest weapon yet you know, Rattler's gonna get G.I. Joe. Introducing the Cobra Rattler. Triple missiles, Rattler's gonna stop Joe. G.I. Joe's American heroes. It's Rattler's. G.I. Joe's there. Cobra! We're outnumbered. Don't belong. No, Joe! Cobra Rattler comes with pilot. Other G.I. Joe and Cobra figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. So when I was a kid, I loved fighter planes. I specifically like I, I liked some of the sleek ones like the F-15 and the F-14, but I really liked the A-10 Thunderbolt slash Warthog. Uh, it was my favorite military plane. And I was also really in love with like VTOL planes like the Harrier. So thank you, Hasbro, for putting those two things together in one uh, like fantasy vehicle package for me because what we got out of that you slap a cool wing cobra logo on there and you've got the rattler um so to me this was like gold um when it came to uh these these cobra vehicles um so yeah uh one that i had as a kid one that i played with a lot so much cool detail on this thing um you've got uh you got that little front canopy that opens up with your cool pilot wild weasel who you know unlike a lot of those cobra vehicle drivers was an individual character uh but you also had that rear gunner seat um that also had that little glass enclosure that you could go and do 360 degree firing around with that uh, of course i mentioned the vtol so you had these wings that tilted up so that you can you could fly up and down uh, you had the little rotating machine gun in the front. Um, the retractable landing gear is a great touch on that. Um, but the loadout on this thing with these bombs, because you had not just like individual rockets and bombs that stuck on the bottom, you had cluster bombs that had a little bracket where you had three different bombs that could either be dropped all at once or, you know, I don't know, some, sometimes I would have them all fire off in different directions. You had the the cool stickers on some of those uh those those rockets that little checkerboard pattern um detailing on that uh a lot of, like a lot of the sticker work and stuff like that even the battle damaged uh panels that you had you had removable engine panels and some of them of course you could replace with those battle damage panels um but just wrap all up this uh this vehicle with this beautiful striking dark navy blue color uh, with those little silver details on the engine. And to me, this is a, I mean, a top tier GI Joe vehicle. I think this is the best aircraft toy ever made. That's a, that's, that's, that's uh, quite a statement, but I cannot disagree with it. Uh, it is, it has so much playability between, like you said, the rotating gunners position, um, the removable engine covers, the removable panels that can have the battle damage, which were just look beautiful. Uh, the VTOL VTOL was so cool in 1984. I don't know why, but it was <laughs> awesome. Uh, 
this was better than any G.I. Joe aircraft that was ever released. Uh, it's just, it's fun to play with. It's fun to put the landing gear down and, and land it and roll it along the floor. It's fun to then turn the wings up, tuck up the landing gear and just take off. Um, it's just awesome. It, it's an unbelievable toy. Christian, did you have, uh, the Rattler? So uh, I did not. My best friend had it and, uh, so I did get to play with it quite frequently. However, I did trade for Wild Weasel because I loved the design of him. He reminded me of the Century Robots from the Black Hole. Oh my gosh, you're right. That I loved as a kid. Mm. Um, so I did have Wild Weasel. Um, and and much like you said, I think the the biggest thing for me as a kid was the 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 VTOL wings. There was just they were just so cool and it, that. and it worked so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they never got uh or at least in the, the lifetime of, of the one I had when I was a kid, they never got loose. They never had a problem doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They'd flip up, they'd stay up, they'd flip down, they'd stay down. Like it just worked perfectly. Yeah. And I've got two later release rattlers that are uh also just great they work they're solid they're they're yeah. great toys for for as much as there is to it everything on the rattler works really well and it's a very durable vehicle all things considered this is one that um yes i had all my joe stuff in my closet in my childhood closet and my nephew discovered it and this was his favorite vehicle and he played with this thing all the time and somehow Mine is mostly still intact because I know he was throwing that thing around the room. Oh my um, gosh. But yeah, the VTOL uh, wings still, they still work. Um, I even think the landing gear, which are kind of notoriously the the weakest thing on the vehicle. Yeah. I think mine are still in, in good shape uh, on my original too. Yeah. I do remember my front landing gear at some point. Like it always worked, but I think it got a little warped maybe to where it didn't clothes flush or something yeah that one does that a little bit and the ones on the back because they've got those little tabs that hold them into place that one gets a little brittle over time yeah yeah so you gotta kind of watch out for that it's not one you want to pop in and out a lot um you know leave, leave it leave it in its uh down position or you know if up if you got it hanging from the ceiling or whatever and just keep it in that position because it's probably gonna la- last a lot longer if you don't move that around too much so the Rattler was really one of Cobra's signature vehicles uh, throughout the animation, the comic books. It, it, it appeared in everything. It was used by every G.I. Joe creator out there uh, because it, it is such a, an interesting and toyetic vehicle. Uh, and, you know, you get a pilot and a gunner in there. Mm hmm. And, you know, even when they came out with other Cobra vehicles later, um, you know, the Night Raven, the Condor, they all had their own, you know, they all had their own, their, their own perks to them. But like, this is still the one that I think got used in a lot of that media after the fact, even mm-hmm. like, even after the Night Ra- uh, Raven got uh, introduced into the comic or into the cartoon, you still saw the Rattler quite a bit because it's, it's just more when you see that vehicle, you think this is Cobra's air force. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's more versatile. Yeah. 
the the night raven yeah sure it looks really cool and sleek but it's just a thing that goes fast it's not really a, a great transport it's not really a great combat jet it's just at the time the blackbird was such a cool mm-hmm. concept but in execution the rattler is a far superior aircraft and and, and much much better toy yeah uh, the Rattler has been re-released in many different forms over the years. Of course, in 1984, we got the original Rattler. Did either one of you guys have a Tiger Rat in 88? Did not collect think, any of the Tiger Force. Yeah, we were all my out. Time. We were all out by then. I would love to. Ha- I would love to get one. It's on my list, uh, but I never had one. Of course, that's the Tiger Force version. Uh, and then in 1997. There was the A-10 Thunderbolt, which I specifically remember because I was collecting at the time. I specifically remember passing on because I didn't like the generic American jet look that they gave it. And now I I wish I had it. I love it. Again, if that Stars and Stripes Forever set had been halfway decent, (laughs) I would have started collecting Joe again and would have had that A-10 Warthog. So this, this version has a camouflage color scheme that, you know, at the time I was like, well, this isn't a Rattler. I don't understand this. Uh, But now I think it looks awesome. Uh, It has the, like your sort of typical American aircraft face uh, on the nose. Who did it come with? Probably like gung ho or so. Oh, no, it comes with Ace. Ace. Oh, it comes with two figures. Yeah, two figures. General Hawk and Ace. Not bad. Yeah, I really wish I'd bought one of these, but I didn't. Uh, what I did buy in 2002 is the sort of bronze colored Rattler that I absolutely love, except for the fact that the gunner's station does not have the canopy on it. Mm. It is just <laughs> open. You got to put insane. your protocol droid in there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like that's all you can do. But I, I really. Oh, sorry, like, Astrobeck droids. So I got my droids mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could put a protocol droid in there. Yeah, it's yes, fine. I guess so. Um, I really, really love the color scheme of the jet on this one, but the red bombs and the red gun are pretty obnoxious. Yeah, uh, and of course it has the uh, electronic gun mounted under one of the wings, which is not great. But I do, I, I really do like the color of this one, and I'm glad I've got. I'm glad I've got it hanging up with a random Cobra commander stuck in the gunner's uh, (laughs) gunner's pod or whatever. Uh, And then 2008, I also have that Rattler, which is target exclusive one. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a pretty close recreation of the original. And it was only like $30 on the shelf at Target at the time. And I hate myself for not buying all of them. This Yojo says twenty four ninety nine, but 20, I, uh, I think we uh, know they're not always right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just remember seeing that and thinking, you know, that's not much more than a, um, well, like a Transformers alternator figure, which I was collecting, you know, yeah. in the years going up to that. So, uh, so yeah, and this came with a twenty fifth anniversary style Wild Weasel, but it is it is very very close to the original uh, yeah. Rattler, and then we got. A new tiger rat in 2009, which I also wish I had bought, but I was still in my I don't like tiger force phase at this point. But looks great. 
And then finally, this, this one also, I am kicking myself for not getting the Autobot power glide deco version of the Rattler, which, which is was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was man, packed it in sharp. Oh, it, it looks fantastic. I, I'm, I'm a fool for not buying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as big a fool as I am for selling the Starscream Sky Striker set, <laughs> but uh, definitely wish I had, had gotten this one. And it comes with that great Scarlet yeah. uh, pilot that we talked about before. I would also be, be remiss if I did not mention, speaking of Transformers, that I did uh, a uh, Transformers vehicle named Viper who transforms into a Cobra Rattler. Or at least a, oh, a fact, really? oh, that's facsimile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a power glide mold. Okay. Um, so it, it's got yeah. the more traditional A10 um, engine placement over by the tail instead of on the wings. But oh. it's, it's got the it's got the the Cobra Rattler flying snake logo with a Decepticon symbol in the middle of it. Oh man, that's awesome. I yeah. I actually just because I've got that, I actually just had it out. Um a few weeks ago so i'll try and get some pics up on instagram oh nice okay uh and then finally the weirdest version of the rattler that came out in 1998 and that is it's actually a stinger with a, a, a relatively unappealing blue camouflage paint job which i actually bought uh, oh, did was you? Another, yeah, that's uh, uh, that was one that I actually bought at Toys R Us. I think it was on clearance at the time, and I just walked in and it was like ten bucks. So you know, working at the mall and stopping yeah, at Toys yeah, R Us yeah. on the way home, and I was like, I gotta have this because I haven't bought a new GI Joe figure in a while. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I remember putting it together while watching Raven Return to ECW. Uh, Whoa! Like that was the day was that Raven had his big return to ECW after leaving WCW, and I was putting together that Viper at my kitchen table. Wow! <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I... I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning, but I remember the <laughs> stupidest little details like that. I passed on this one, and I, I don't know there there were a number of the Toys R Us ex- uh, exclusives that I didn't buy, and I, I have no good explanation for why. I mean, I I don't care for this camo, but I. I bought a lot of ugly, weird G.I. Joe stuff over the years, so I, I don't know why I didn't buy this one. I bought that because I never had a Stinger as a kid, and I just loved the Stinger. So it was like, all right, I'm getting a Stinger. It's in different colors, and I get a repaint of uh, Jinx as Anna Conda uh, for uh, what's her <laughs> Vipra. Vipra. Vipra, yes. All right. Well, uh, Rattler, top tier gi joe vehicle for sure um i don't know if i put it in top five but it's top 10 for me what about you guys it's top five for me Ooh, honestly it's uh, i mean it's it's one that got the most play value uh when i was a kid i mean i think it's iconic i would say that it's in the top 10 
And that is all we've got time for this week on Audible Interlude. Our music is by Andy Samford of electricminnowmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Check out the Needless Things YouTube channel for tons of G.I. Joe reviews. And it's the place you can catch us live every other week and participate in the show. Uh, you can also catch us live at Joe Fest. June 9th through 11th at the Augusta Marriott Convention Center. Uh, check out JoeFestUSA.com for more details on that. Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Finest? The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming group. So if you ever thought about dressing up like your favorite G.I. Joe or Cobra or Dreadnought or October Guard or anything adjacent to those uh, lines, uh, then uh, check out thefinestcc.com or the Finest Recruitment Center. We will, of course, be at Joe Fest. So as uh, you're hearing this, um, hopefully it's before Joe Fest. It'll be coming up here in just a matter of a few days. And uh, we'll be raising money for a fantastic charity called Canines for Warriors. So check it out. We're going to have some cool stuff at the booth, uh, including a, a, a ferret um, and a watchtower. An actual like live ferret? That's great. Yes, a live How ferret. How fun is that? <laughs> uh, Christian, where can we find your toy photography? You can find me on Instagram under Legion Cub. Well, guys, thank you so much for once again sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe. And until next time, you, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.